Hey, Emily here. I just wanted to let you know that we are doing a giveaway right now um, for Maple Leaf May. It's our Maple Leaf May zine giveaway. We are giving away a zine from Return Trip, Aaron Pelevin's zine that we discussed in episode 21, which you should definitely check out. And then On Pleasure from The Vault Zine, which we will discuss in this interview coming right up with Aaron Klassen. So you can go to hybridpubscout.com slash giveaways slash maple hyphen zine hyphen giveaway. Um, or you can just go to hybridpubscout.com and click on win free things. Ooh. Hi again. Hello it's again. It's good I'm, to see you. I'm an Instagram influencer. How are you guys? Get <laughs> it all out right now. Get <laughs> it out right now. <laughs> mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing and today we are blessed <laughs> we are blessed we are blessed. we that's are blessed correct. that's true uh to interview aaron classen of without pretend let's just get right down to it okay thank you aaron classen from joining us today am i pronouncing it right that's right yeah Erin Klassen is the founder of Without Pretend, but she's also an editor, collaborator, community builder, and fiction writer. Her work has appeared in a number of print and online publications, including Studio Magazine, the CBC, Ephemera Magazine, and You Care Too Much. She enjoys Nina Simone, Italian food, and talking about the future. (laughs) So when you say talk about the future, does that mean like a person's future or the future of the world or both? <laughs> I, I joke with my friends that um, I sort of live in the future a little. I'm, I'm always constantly bumping into things in my apartment that have never been anywhere else, like coffee tables or couches, um, because my mind is kind of like in five seconds in the future, which is why I don't have my driver's license. So I, I like oh, safe. <laughs> I like I like planning ahead. I like thinking about the future. And it's good to know yourself in that way too. <laughs> okay. And so Without Pretend is an independent Toronto-based publisher focused on producing, promoting, and distributing works by women and non-binary writers and artists. We also host storytelling events and run a digital and print magazine called The Vaults. Um, and by we I mean you. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the origin story of without pretend sure yeah we uh officially got started in 2015 and i guess the reason for wanting to start self-publishing was because i was a pretty green writer myself um i was already over 30 but i kind of had a dark spot in my 20s where um you know, I was, I was in the business world, I was in the corporate world, I was working and I wasn't really doing a lot of creative stuff. So when I decided I wanted to get, to get back into writing, I felt like it was a really hard um, channel. There were, the channels that were available to me were scary, I guess, for lack of a better word. So 
without pretend really came from this idea of putting myself somewhere where I felt more comfortable as and starting something where other writers might feel more comfortable to, to submit and to work with as well if they were just getting started. So when you say that the available av- avenues were scary, do you mean submitting to magazines, submitting to uh, agents, that sort of thing, or that you would have to do it as a solo pursuit rather than with a group? Uh, I guess both, but I think, you know, just in terms of the channels that are available to writers, there's not even really a lot of resources out there to figure out how to go about doing that, you know, unless you're going to get your MFA in writing, um, which I think a lot of people do, but that's expensive, it's time consuming, it's not for everybody. Um, So there are, I think, a lot of people out there that are super talented or have the ability to hone their craft over time, but they, they need places to get started and they need resources. So um, for me, it was just like a big question mark. And yeah, the idea of being rejected by somebody I didn't even know who didn't know that I actually had a lot of potential, that was that was not uh, something I was excited about. No, that, that totally makes sense. <laughs> it's good to know that you, you can just take a different path instead of having to uh, put up with uh, that sort of impersonal reaction. So you started off doing your own thing. How many people were involved with you from the start then, since you wanted it to be something that was kind of a shared experience? Yeah, I think I I thought there was probably going to be comfort in numbers. So from the get-go, I kind of had the sense that if I was totally going alone, um, probably fewer people would care. There'd be like the 25 people in my immediate circle and my mom and, you know, people like that who would like buy something. Um, but I, you know, and, and that's me being really transparent. Like I had this idea that, okay, well, if there's a few of us putting out a book, there's, there's a bigger circle there. Um, and you know, it felt good to kind of get together with people and, and, and talk about the kind of work we wanted to make together. So without pretend has kind of been this vision, even though we started very, very small, I sort of always saw what it could be. And our first, uh, official title, other than a very small zine we put together, um, was portraits. And so for portraits, I did all the writing, um, but it was based on 40 different interviews I had with uh, women that I knew about their unresolved feelings. So I asked them to tell me a story about kind of like their biggest heartbreak or their biggest missed opportunity or, you know, something from their romantic past that still felt sticky. And I was able to kind of turn those very long conversations into a series of flash fiction um, based on reality. And I worked with five different visual artists as well. Uh, so already there were kind of like the 40 anonymous um, people that gave me their stories, but they kind of were all part of that community. And there were the five visual artists that worked with us. So yeah, that's that's a very short version or a long version, I guess, how, however you look at it, <laughs> of where we got started. That's awesome. How did you find everybody? Yeah, that's a really good question. We started with who we knew, um, but even for portraits, I kind of thought, okay, well, I have three or four people that are I know are going to say yes because they're kind of within my circle, but there was this one woman that I really admired who lived in Montreal, and I followed her on Instagram, and I just thought, what the heck, like, I'll just reach out, I'll say who, who I am, and I'll see if she's down for working for almost nothing because at that time, you know, we didn't really have a budget. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Um, And so she said, you know what, you're finding me in a really interesting time. I just got out of a relationship. This subject matter really appeals to me. I like that you're trying to start something and sure. And so, you know, and we're not friends now, you know, I I know her and I still follow her and she follows us, but um, she just sort of said yes, because she was excited about the prospect of making something. Yeah, absolutely. 
I love the idea of such a collaborative process. Um, just, I feel very similarly. I was going to start this podcast, you know, by myself interviewing people. And then Corinne came on one episode and I was like, will you do this with me? Because <laughs> it's so much more fun to have somebody else involved. Yeah. Also, like I find, you know, personalities, other personalities working with you can be very stabilizing, I guess. So when you go off in your own direction and you kind of get in your head, maybe somebody can bring you out of your head a little bit. When I get too uptight, Corinne like brings me back down to earth. <laughs> That's usually how that works. I, I try. I do my best. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I can see how that would be a really smart way to, to progress with, especially with a creative project. You use a lot of uh, photographers and um, art artists, visual artists, and so I, I read the. Um, uh, it, it's called "You're Happy If You Know It." Was that the? Uh, it's just happy if you know it. Happy yeah. if you know it. Okay. Um, so I was reading that one, and I noticed that the first um, right after your introduction, there was a flow chart that talked about the process of creating the cover, and I just mm -hmm. I loved that. Um, because it talked about how everyone's visions kind of came into that. What, why, um, why do you feel it's important to be that transparent with uh, your process of creation? Uh, well, so Jen Spinner, who is the art director on that book, and she worked with me on You Care Too Much as well. Um, so she's extremely talented. And we, you know, these collections really came together as, uh, I guess, the result of I want to say 1000 hours of talking and thinking and blood and sweat and tears. Right. And so I think when you, when you hold a book in your hand and it's 150 pages, you know, maybe if it's an author that you know really well and you see them give an interview where they say, Oh, I was writing this book for seven years. You might have some context, but most people don't think about the work that actually all the thoughts and all of the ideas that go into making something that you can hold and, and, you know, I guess, respond to. Um, so Jen and I were joking that you care too much was a, such a labor of love. And for this time, we were gonna, you know, uh, tell people, educate people on, you know, even if it was just something as simple as like a sweet two page flow chart to be like, no, this wasn't just like something that happened. This was something we were intentional about. Um, and what was interesting about that, if I may say so, is happy if you know, it is a book about intuition. And so I think one of the things we were trying to kind of uncover for people was that intuition is actually much more complicated than I think, you know, the word suggests. It doesn't just like come from the sky and fall on you and you know where to be in life and you know what to do. Um, and so similarly, we were saying, you know, yes, some decisions are intuitive. They start somewhere, but there's a lot of building that has to happen once you start of have the seed of an idea. And I think every creative project, I, I'm sure everyone would agree who's ever made anything um, that sometimes it's like a seed that you plant deep within yourself a decade ago. And, and, you know, even this podcast, I'm sure it wasn't overnight that you just got the recording equipment and decided to press play. No, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I I've noticed, and the feelings can be art is that, would you say that's like the slogan of the, um, publication, so how do you choose which which idea or feeling to focus on for each of your anthologies or other projects? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I guess, you know, now we're a team of 12. Um, so I'm the founder and I call myself the editor in chief still because I'm kind of overseeing everything that's creative. Um, but selfishly, these are these are topics that have meant something to me in my my life. 
And so what I do is I, you know, I don't know, feel my feelings and, uh, you know, years go by and I start thinking, I wonder if this is something other people would, would resonate with, you know, um, just to bring up portraits again, like that was our first book and actually feelings can be art wasn't originally a tagline. It was originally the first sentence of the first edition that we put out of portraits. Um, so it was kind of my disclaimer to people. It was my defense of what I was trying to do. I was trying to say, this can be important. It can be good. It can be, you know, brushing the literary sort of field, but it can also just be about the things that we feel and the things that we think. And, and it's, it's good enough to make art about essentially. Um, so yeah, that's the same thing as I'm picking topics that I think would maybe be seen as, I guess, for lack of a better term, a very gender term like feminine or women's issues. But I'm, I'm trying to push people to think um, that these can be I don't know, important to talk about. Yeah, uh, the pieces are a lot more introspective than I think a lot of literary magazines want to see from authors. That's that's kind of what I sensed. It's like this is the sort of thing that I would write for myself, um, which I think is is a dream of a lot of authors. It's like, I want to, you know, show you the inside of my brain, but, you know, there are gatekeepers who are like, nobody wants to see the inside of your brain. What are you talking about? Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a really interesting way to do it. And I'm glad somebody's doing it because we got to get it out there. Um, so how do you, how do you curate um, a book? How do you piece it together? So when we got started, uh, it was very much me soliciting the people that I wanted to work with. Um, and I did that in a number of ways. Like we started a lot of times with our inner circles, recommendations, a lot of times, you know, a lot of research went into it, um, literary magazines. So a lot of times what I would do, and I have this thing like one, the first Sunday of every month I go and I buy like $200 worth of like lit magazines from the newsstand closest to me. And it's like a really special like treat to myself, yes. but I, I'm also, I've got my post-its out and I'm like, I'm really trying to see who in there could be the kind of person who maybe had that story that no one's asked them for yet. Um, and then I reach out to them and most of the time they're really jazzed to hear from somebody because they're like, oh, well, thank you for reading, being one of the 10 people that bought <laughs> this literary magazine. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so it starts with a wish list, and um, and so that's kind of how we did it in the past. And then now we do have open submissions for the vault. One of the reasons we started the vault, it's a, a monthly and a quarterly magazine. So the monthly stories are published digitally, quarterly digitally and in print. And we wanted to work with more people more often. Um, so that was kind of our imprint, our first imprint, our way of kind of growing. And now we have open submissions and I'm really impressed. Like some of the people who come through there, I would have never heard of, um, but, but they're really great. So it's a mix now of we solicit some people who are, you know, maybe a little more established and, and probably wouldn't submit to an open submission. And then we find some new people through that. that oh, process. So um, how did you mention talking about finances for indie publications and how you started out with no budget whatsoever. So especially with so many moving parts and so many people involved, a lot of whom you don't necessarily know, like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. um, how do you organize it? And where do you find the money? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is a really, I think, important topic for independent publishers to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know about you, you guys are doing this podcast, like you must 
talked to a ton of people who are self-publishing and, and, you know, creating zines with other people, there's everyone's doing it now. It's so prevalent. Right. And I'm really impressed by that, but also where are they getting this money from? Because when we started, I, I had a full-time job, a very good job. I worked at Etsy. So I was the um, community manager for all of Canada. We were a small office, but it was like, you know, it was a big deal, senior manager's job. And um, I personally funded everything. So we've always oh, wow. paid writers and we've always paid artists. And the reason for that is because I want to start by having a professional relationship with people. Um, it just sort of makes it like the deadlines are easier to meet and everyone's kind of on the same page. We have a publishing agreement. So, you know, that was from the get go, but it was all personally funded. And so when I quit my job to do this full time, um, we were lucky enough to get a small grant from the Ontario Arts Council. But other than that, it's like really a, a hope and a, and a prayer. <laughs> to keep going. Pooling resources. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe this is sad, maybe it isn't, but I can see how people would feel much more, authors would feel more respected when they're, they're given, uh, given a fee for their writing. And so, yeah, I can see that being the, the professional way to approach it as well. Um, so, so um, when you were working your full, full-time job, I find that it's really hard to like sit down and read a whole bunch of short stories and articles all at once, which it's a treat. It's fun. But like, how do you find the time to do all of that and to read all of those pieces? Do you, I mean, do you do a deep dive into every single one of them or do you have to do that sometimes or skim through others? Like, how's it work? Are you talking about the people who submit to us or? Well, you said that um, on one day of the month, you go and buy $200 worth of literary magazines. So let's right. start there. <laughs> so yeah, I think as you get more um, used to what you're looking for, what you, what you like, you know, and this is just true of any reader over time, you know, I can pick up a book in a bookstore based on the cover. Usually, you know, they say, don't judge a book by its cover, but you often do. Everyone yeah. does. <laughs> There's no shame. Everyone does. Of course. That's why, that's why they have that saying, right? They're trying to. Yeah, buy. exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why um, we spend so much time trying to make the covers look uh -huh. good. So people yeah. buy our books. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, I really only have to read maybe a couple paragraphs. Like that first page is really important because you can kind of get a sense, okay, is this, is this the tone that I'm going to respond to? Are they talking about something I care about? Um, so yeah, not to, not to judge a book by its cover or by its first uh, paragraph, but yeah, I, I don't deep dive into every single piece based on kind of like what I know I'm looking for. And it also depends on the subject matter, right? So the vault we are we're trying to streamline our themes a bit better so that that readers like you can kind of know right away is this something that i'm like interested in in getting into um okay so the question is uh how do i know what i'm looking for essentially yep, right yeah yeah so i don't i mean when i'm when i'm reading these literary magazines i'm already I generally have a sense of what I'm looking for for a, a given publication. So depending on the theme, I might look at writers that, you know, are specifically talking about, you know, the kinds of themes that we're going to be interested in, in like upcoming issues. Um, some of the examples in the past have been, you know, um, we started at the, uh, with the vault, we started our collections with topics like on healing um, the second one was on pleasure. 
so those are like very different topics, right? So on healing, you might be looking at people who are, you know, transitioning through a particular point of life or talking about the loss of a, a loved one or talking about illness or, or some kind of sickness that they've, you know, are, are working through or, or coping with. Um, pleasure can be, you know, pretty overt, right? So talking, um, we, we looked at sex workers that were also writers or doing really interesting things online on their Instagram feeds. Um, but we also just looked at, at people were, who were kind of willing to kind of, I'm using quotation marks, you can't see it, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, to go there, right? People who are really interested in like going deep and describing the way that they feel physically. Um, so, you know, those are the kinds of things I'm looking for when I'm, when I'm soliciting new writers. Would you say that people really pay attention to the guidelines most of the time, or do you see a lot of people just kind of throwing things out there? Well, I would have to say that we're not actually very good at giving guidelines because I tend to really like a loose format. Um, I think there are a lot of different ways an idea can be expressed. So I don't like saying, oh, it has to sound like this or it has to sound like this. Um, you know, we've had plays and poetry and um, flash fiction and short fiction and personal essay and everything in between. We had like a speech turned into an essay. So yeah, I think I like to leave it as open as possible because um, you never know what you're going to get. And you can always work with a writer to kind of shape it towards what you feel will fit in the publication. Great. So, um, what, what other, uh, what other projects are you working on just you right now? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, I do, um, enough of these interviews where I'm now used to people just wanting to know about me and I'm like, do you think there's any time for me? There's no time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but now, you know, it's funny. I actually, because of an interview I did last year, I started thinking about that. I now have my own website. So you can find me at erinclassen.com. And the reason that I did that was because they were kind of giving me a hard time. They're like, you know, you, you're talking about intuition and you're talking about self-care, but like, what about you? Where are you? So I'm trying to, I'm trying to do that on the side. Um, so the short answer is I am actually working on a book right now. Um, I expect that to take all of this year before anybody here is much more about that but I'm originally it was going to be a, a, a zine and I had already kind of solicited the help of this really talented art director that works on a magazine called Ephemera um, so she and I are going to kind of do a, like a zine version of that together and we'll probably get that out before the fall but then I think I'm going to turn it into a longer project so yeah cool yeah very cool I think uh, Corinne had some questions about self-care. I did actually. <laughs> yeah. Let me grab, let me grab my list here really quick. Um, okay. So would you say, do you think the self-care movement is sort of beginning to be taken more seriously at this point rather than just dismissed as something that like women do when they've had a bad day? Yeah. I have a lot of feelings about self-care. Have you, Please have tell you, us about them. Have you guys, have, have you read you care too much or have you, I started, I read a, like the beginning of it. Yeah, and me I, too. Yeah. So this is, uh, I assume my mother will never listen to this podcast, thank goodness. But <laughs> okay. I, won't, I won't email your mother. So. Yeah. Thank you. I actually have to sometimes take, my parents are both um, subscribers to my newsletter that I send out once a, a month. 
And I have to sometimes take them off the MailChimp and put them back on because I'm like, oh, like X-rated, like not too much. Like- That's a good idea. <laughs> it is. Yeah. My, my mom listens to our podcast. Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, Rosemary. <laughs> um, so the reason I said that is because You Care Too Much was directly inspired by being raised by my mother who... Um, is very, in my opinion, bad at self-care. I did see see you talking about that. Yes, I remember that very much. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, I think um, I had kind of firsthand experience of what it was like if you care about everything else and everybody else and you put yourself first, which I think, you know, women especially have been taught for a very long time that that is like the right way to be, right? right? It's like, we will be valuable if we take care of others before we take care of ourselves. So, um, yeah. Do I think the self-care movement is being taken more seriously now? I think it depends on who you talk to. Um, and I think in general, it, it, the question is more about how we, we start to raise our children and how we start to educate our communities of of friends and um, the people around us about boundaries and about what we need and about being okay to say what we need. Um, so yeah, I think that's a complicated question, which I wrote a whole anthology about. <laughs> yes. Good answer. <laughs> we will link it in the show notes so you can all buy it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I had more questions. Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. So I wanted also to talk about, um, which I'm sure is like the scourge of the self-care industry, but Goop. Do you think mm. that's helped or hurt the validity of self-care? Yeah, I have a, I'm not going to lie. Like I, like Gwyneth, like nothing against you, but like, I have a problem with goop. I really do. I have it's a problem. Shit. We love it. <laughs> no, <But>. we don't. <laughs> okay. I do. Sorry. Go okay. on. <laughs> Remember that I sent you that, like, look at this big hearty meal. And it was like a little bit of seaweed and some radicchio uh-huh. and like a small piece of <laughs> yeah. fish. And it's like, you can, you can splurge all you want. I'm like, Screw this. Yep. Yep. It is, it's, it's not just their problem. This is a problem about media and it's a problem about how we consume media and what we're looking for. Right. So the idea of like these sites being popular, that's our, that's our fault. That's not their fault. Right. So it's, Ooh. it's about how we consume. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> I'm waking my finger. Yeah. So I think I'm just kind of sick of, of the kind of media that's telling us how we should be, you know, how we should eat right and sleep right and do right and um, shop right. And, and like what it means to take care of ourselves, because I think really the answers are, are meant to come from inside each one of us. Um, So if there are, you know, if there, I'm sure there are great articles and great writers. I know some of my friends actually write for group. And and again, I don't think it's all garbage. That's not what I'm saying. But I think if you think a smoothie cleanse is going to save you, that becomes problematic. It's hard to, it's hard to uh, market like inward self-healing. I mean, unless you're, you know, on psychology today. And even um, that, I mean, listen, I have, oh, I have problems with the way we consume like psychology articles as well. Yeah, dubious. Think, yeah. There's no, there's not one size fits all kind of answer. Right. So that's what, one of the things we try to do in our publications, which I hope comes across and we continue to get better as we put out more work. Um, but it's, it's about personal experience because I think there's a lot of things you can glean from somebody's personal experience when they say, this is how I did it. This is how I'm feeling. This is what worked for me and you can decide 
is that inspiring to you to also find what works for you? Is it something that you want to try yourself? You know, I think it leaves um, more ownership for the reader. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so I think we also had some comments on on uh, Canadianness. Um. Oh, we did. Well, my most important question I say is for that last. Offensive? Is that offensive? No. Can I just tell you? Okay. So just for the listeners, um, I asked for the questions ahead of time just because I didn't want to sound like a, an idiot. And so when you asked me this next question, I lost my mind because my partner and I were just spending two bottles of wine and all of two nights ago or whatever, before you sent the questions, talking about this. And I... Some of my best friends who I grew up with don't even have any idea what this is. So I'm, uh, I'm very impressed. Corinne, get it. Okay. So my question is, who is your favorite kid in the hall and why? I love this podcast. New favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there's only one right answer from my perspective. Okay. Okay. Bruce McCullough. Amen. I knew you were going to say that. Exactly how I feel. Yeah. I need oh, no, we all agree. <laughs> oh, so now we're best friends. <laughs> and you said NY, so I want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So Bruce McCullough, I mean, listen, he's just so dryly funny. He's always himself. He has no problem just showing up and like, it's the most obscure stuff. Like these are the days I know. Oh my like, God. That's odd. Like, Every but, day. Um, <laughs> How I you know start the, my day. <laughs> how many Daves do you know? I mean, that's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, I, I haven't counted. One. Yeah. Just one? Just I one. know more. He's than. our neighbor. He's great. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't did call the cops when we had our housewarming party and we had bands play in the basement. He was fine. That's Funny. a good neighbor. Yeah, it's a good neighbor. It's a good Dave. Yeah. I know at least two Daves. Yeah. Um, I don't know 30 Hollands though. <laughs> Nor do I. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like a good sensible shoe. If you ever want to do like a side podcast just about kids in the hall, I think that I would like to be asked on. To oh my god! Okay, edition of like publishers who enjoy kids in the hall. <laughs> Corinne, you are leading. Corinne, yeah, you I can that episode. That. No that problem. can be a bonus episode to as a lead magnet. Like. No problem. No problem. I also think that um, out of all the five of them, Bruce made the most attractive woman. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know. I think um, Scott Thompson, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe, no, Foley. I think Foley is the prettiest girl. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah, I take that back. He is prettiest. You're right. Yeah. His eyes. Yeah. 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 It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, my husband does a very good Buddy Cole impression. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he's touring. Um, hilariously I just found out about this when it was too late but Scott Thompson was doing that show but in like little tiny bars in Toronto and almost nobody was there it was like 45 people so I read a review after he had done it and I was like I would have gone if that had been better marketed right you know and this is actually a, a question about art in general it's like marketing is the hardest part it's like nobody knows who you are we were very lucky with You Care Too Much because we got a lot of press around it because of like the whole self-care hashtag, yeah. you know, thing. That, right. So it was kind of tricking people. I felt kind of badly. Like I was just like, I'm selling you self-care. And when they get it, they're like, this is heavy and not at all. Telling us <laughs> I need self-care after reading about self-care. <laughs> I need a vacation after my vacation. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, I wish it was easier to hear about cool things. And I mean, we were so bombarded with, you know, 
things to do and things to see and things to read on the internet. So it's difficult to, to decide what to spend time on. But I think the hardest part of, of any of this is um, just getting in front of the right people who actually do really want to read your things. But like, how do you find them? So, yeah. Corinne, um, Corinne is a marketing person in the book world. We're in nonfiction right now, but like, did, did you find certain things worked better for more like uh, fictional pursuits rather than nonfiction? Corinne, like, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, wait, what exactly do you mean? Uh, do you think it's harder to, um, to market more artistic work? Oh, absolutely. No yeah. question. And I mean, like, h- how? Yes, <laughs> how do you do it? Absolutely. And I think like back when I so saw I was a publicist, like when I first started out in publishing, and that is even my heart goes out to every fiction publicist, because it is just you were just throwing shit against the wall and hoping <laughs> something sticks. I mean, it's rough. Yeah, it is. And it's yeah, it's really hard to get people to care about you know these things that you care about passionately obviously because you wrote a book about them so Mm -hmm. it's really it is really difficult much more difficult than nonfiction. so and I think it's too it's like the credibility um is so important too right so you're building like any company like I worked at Etsy so like I mean a lot of what we did for a long time was building trust with the Canadian market so I I do understand that world really well when when it's something that's your baby that you like spent so much time on sometimes you're too close to it to be able to market it properly I find Um, so now I'm really lucky that we have a team of 12 because some of the people on my team are so much better. Like they, they started out as fans and then they sought me out and they were like, how can we help? And now they're a part of the team. Um, they, they talk about it so perfectly, you know, I'm like, oh, great. Can you write now a hundred percent of like the press releases? Because <laughs> <laughs> you figured out what to actually say about this. So the normies can understand. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's super, super valuable. Um, So is there anything else that you would like to uh, say, promote, uh, talk about? Well, I think uh, as it relates to to what you're trying to do here, you know, I think we've... um, We've launched The Vault, which is a online magazine, but because of the resources we have, it's not quite as slick as you might expect from like, you know, another online magazine where there's maybe a paywall and you kind of just like are thrown into this beautiful world that everything's very accessible. So when you subscribe to The Vault, it's only five bucks a month. Um, and we do a ton of work to provide monthly stories. So it's not, we're not also, there's not an overwhelming amount of content. We like work with one writer and one artist per month. And it's like this beautiful, either fiction or nonfiction. So we alternate. Um, so you're getting a little bit of everything. You're getting people from all around the world, uh, five bucks. It's, you know, it's inexpensive, but you know, you have to kind of, it's like, there's two ways to look at it. It's like one, you're like supporting the fact that this content can continue to exist. And then it's also there for you. I mean, raise your hands if you get the New Yorker and they just like pile up in a quarter in your living room, you know, like I, I love the New Yorker, <laughs> but I read like one fraction of right. my magazines, right? So anyway, this is a long winded way of saying like, do I want to promote something? Yes. I want to promote the fact that I think we're doing really, really good work. Like, and I, and I'm biased, but I'm also, uh, I know because I'm doing it and I'm, I'm watching it happen. Um, and so we, we do actually have a pretty good following of subscribers, but we need more. And the great thing about digital is you can be anywhere and you can receive these stories and you can love them. So we, we actually deliver them in PDF format. So it's also the most accessible way to do it because you don't have to have an e-reader. You know, it, it's just really easy. You can read it on your phone. We have a mobile friendly layout. It's, 
it's the best and everyone should do it. All right. <laughs> I, <got> it. <laughs> I love the whole one-to-one thing like that. It's, it's just one per edition. That's uh, that, that must make them feel so special. <laughs> it's like, you're, it, like the author and the artist that that's really respectful to them. We also do uh, for free, you can subscribe to our newsletter where we do author interviews every month. So you can actually get a sense of like who's behind the story. And we also offer them one off, right? So if you don't want to subscribe and you just are like, oh, I'm really interested in this one particular story, you can do that for, I think it's six bucks if you just want to do the one, but yeah. That's rad. All right. Well, we will link to all of the social medias and we will link to the, uh, the vaults and um, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank um, you. Yeah, it was great talking to you. And um, I'm going to subscribe to The Vault. So <laughs> you guys should too. Thanks, thank you both for your time. It was really a lot of fun. And uh, I can't wait for our kids in the hall. Spin-off. I can't either. I'll get cracking on that right now. I'll, I'll, be, yeah. your, I'll be your sound producer. Thank I'll you. Like, <laughs> go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Erin. Bye. Bye. It's nice to to talk to you, Corinne. It's nice to talk to you, Emily. We don't do this enough anymore. We don't, but we're going to. We are. We're going to start bringing back the bands. Yeah, the classics. Yeah. Yeah, getting the band back together. Yeah, I know. Hopefully our interviewees won't mind sharing the shit talking. I don't think so. I don't know. We'll put it at the end in any case. Yeah. It's fine. Mm -hmm. If you are a serious podcast listener who does not like nonsense, please advance to your next podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm about to talk about what really grinds my gears. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of trivializing how angry um, I am about this. Um, So we're here in Portland, Oregon, and one of our um, publishers is a comics publisher called Oni Press, which I I know you're not like super into comics. I know nothing about that. And I'm not super into it either, yeah. but I mean, I ha- I know a few. One, uh, there's one, um, there's one by Pamela Ribbon. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. And uh, illustrated by Kat Ferris, who, um, if you look behind you, JT got me a little illustration. Sorry. Oh. Okay, <laughs> that was for my Christmas present. Oh, She's yeah. great. So I they, remember that. Yeah, they did that comic. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. they published that one. So I see. Okay. Yeah, they're they're uh, supposedly very inclusive mm-hmm. and um, against toxic masculinity yeah, and like good. all those good things. Yep. But bad news. Mm-hmm. They just had a big merger with uh, Lion Forge, who um, I just recently learned about what they even are, and you know I don't want to blame them for it either because they suffered some casualties massive massive layoffs Mm -hmm. that just apparently happened within two hours of the announcement that the merger was happening oh christ so like there was restructuring in november for lion forage Uh and i think 12 people got laid off Mm -hmm. or more let me see yeah 12 people got laid off in november from lion forage Mm -hmm. And then this isn't confirmed, but there may have been like 40 layoffs yesterday. I saw yesterday. that, yeah. Just yeah. an absurd amount of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, one of the ironies of Oni Press being a, you know, inclusive right. press mm-hmm. is they laid off 
a lot. They they laid off women of color. They laid off um, disabled people, mm-hmm. um, people with big medical bills. Right. There, there's one uh, couple, Desiree Wilson and her boyfriend both worked there, and they were both laid off. Oh, her God. tweets have pretty much blown up. Blown up. Yeah. And yeah, the two of them live together, mm-hmm. work at the same place, mm-hmm. and both were laid off on the same day. Oh, Jesus. So I mean, if that tells you about how much your corporation cares about you, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else would. It's true. The That's one the takeaway I think in yeah. this and all of these mergers and acquisitions is the company does not care about you. It doesn't at all. It doesn't. You're a number, and they're taking they're taking advantage of the fact that we love what we do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we don't love what we do every single day. Hell no. By any means. Ah. By any stretch of the imagination. Yep. So I've been posting, um, and I think, yeah, you've been you've been privy to mm-hmm. posting of um, people who work there who have been putting up their Venmos and their um, yes. PayPal accounts. Which is so fucked up in the first place. But that's another podcast, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't have to be. I'm, I'm probably going to see if we can have a couple of them on. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. after the wounds have, like, are Heals not as fresh bit. because, yeah. you know, you yeah. don't want to, like, jump on people's right. pain like right. that. Right, right. So, yeah, it's really, it's everything that's wrong with our culture. Yeah. Well, everything that's wrong with our culture happening in one day, basically, because yeah. that uh, Georgia, True. like, oh, six-week heartbeat bill yes. got passed yesterday, too. And so right. I was just like... I got to make it rain on the internet. <laughs> I got to throw 20s at the ACLU and at my friends. And Planned Parenthood. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And like people who have been laid off by companies that don't give a shit about yep. them. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a travesty. Yeah. Um, and, but it's, you know, it's the sort of thing where the answer is business is business. Right. Yeah. You know, it's too bad, so sad. Mm-hmm. The company yeah. needs to be, you know making that money right yes uh-huh so i'm just gonna read the publisher's weekly article it looks like 40 may have been a lot um i mean i don't know whether it's not true or not but what um publishers weekly said a lot yeah. less than that yes right um right. so they said um under the merger only press publisher james lucas jones will serve as president and publisher of the combined lion forge oni press entity Oni founder Joe Nosemack is stepping down as president and will join the new entity's board and serve in an advisory role. Um, Lionforge publicist Jeremy Atkins also confirmed that there have been staff reductions and layoffs as a result of the merger. Some Lionforge staff, he said, were offered, quote unquote, positions within the Oni structure in Portland, and others were offered positions within the Polarity umbrella. So we got a structure and we got an umbrella. Oh boy. Just pick your favorite <laughs> thing to keep you out of the rain in Portland. That's oh. right. There's a lot of rain here. Which encompasses a number of companies. In addition, he said some positions were eliminated outright or consolidated. So, yeah. Merger has led to about nine layoffs combined from Lion Forge and Oni Press. Two of Lion Forge's best-known staffers are leaving Atkins confirmed that and Andrea Colvin, VP Editor-in-Chief of Lionforge, who developed and oversaw Lionforge's Cubhouse, Roran Caracal, Young Reader Imprints, has left. And according to her Twitter account, Christina Steen-Stewart, Lionforge Associate Editor, has been laid off. 
And then it said Lionforge editors Amanda Meadows and Jasmine Amari have been laid off. Um, Oni editor Desiree Wilson, like I said, and publicity director Melissa Mazaros and staffer Scott Sharkey. So many of the staff laid off are people of color, queer, or both, which has sparked a backlash on social media against both publishers. In light of the house's past promotional claims to represent those communities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the core of the issue is the yeah. hypocrisy of right, that. Right. If you're going to be throwing that around mm -hmm. as like, look how great we are, look how woke we are, and yeah. then you do that to your staff. Right, right. It's like, what exactly? And what tends to happen is, as you know, like mm -hmm. the editors who are people of color, queer, yeah. um, bring in that kind of right. work. Yeah. So yeah. now that these editors are gone, mm -hmm. I don't know if, you can confirm this because you've worked at more publishing houses yeah. than me. A lot of times when editors quit, mm -hmm. the projects fall apart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And the authors just kind of are orphaned, yeah. which is really sad. Or, and then they go elsewhere. They go where, to different houses or, and you know, there's not a lot of places I see that. Yeah. Do the kinds of projects that Oni had been doing mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that really fucks a lot of authors over too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I guess yeah, it's like creators or mm -hmm. I think they call them creators. Oh, creators. I don't See, know. I don't if you're know a comics person, then please let us know the the, the terminology. correct term. Yeah. We are still educating ourselves. We are children. <laughs> <laughs> we oh. don't know. And this is the part that really gets me. Continuing with this Publishers Weekly article um, by Calvin Reed. Um, Jones said the newly combined company is focused on creating a major entertainment industry entity that can deliver a wide range of popular content designed for diverse audiences. Jones said in an increasingly competitive marketplace where the business of comics and graphic novels is rapidly evolving, this merger is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for our two companies to pool our resources for one goal, to create the finest comics and graphic novels for everyone. Um... So it's um, consolidating with um, polarity or under polarity. The umbrella. Was uh, it the umbrella yes. or the structure? Uh, both. I okay. think. Yeah, <laughs> both. Um, so Lion Forge Animation, Neon Metropolis Music Label, and Comics News and Culture website, The Beat. So they are making a media conglomerate. Ah, yes. If I, like, have noticed one thing mm -hmm. is if you stand in front of a mm, I'm not gonna do the generalization okay. I want to so you can fill in the blank okay. if you can figure out what I'm gonna say uh -huh. if if you stand in front of a certain person who is in a position of power within the publishing industry and say movie <laughs> they will jump jump at whatever terrible thing you tell yeah, them to that's do that's absolutely true yeah and it usually involves a lot of money uh -huh. and sacrificing people. Yeah. People. Right. Right. Like full stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, true. you know, as soon as they get a whiff of any sort of, like, glamorous Hollywood magic. Yeah. They just yeah. want to cut of that. Uh -huh. it's, it's almost, it kind of makes me sad because it. It's like books have an inferiority complex. Yeah, it's like for these sure. people who are in charge of the publishing companies are like, oh well, the books aren't 
you know, that's yeah. not good enough for right. me. Right. Look at all these Hollywood execs. Uh-huh. They make so much more money. They're so much cooler guys. Yeah. Oh my God. Can I ride in the back seat? <laughs> I'll sit on the hump in the back seat. <laughs> Just let me hang out with you. That's a, yeah, that's a very apt analogy. I would say. <laughs> that's how they talk too. It is. It is. Guys, yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> I'm cool too. Uh, you want to make a movie out of my content? <laughs> <laughs> I really have to uh, respect uh, the PR speak that they employ in their, you know, uh, explanation for why they're laying people off because they really spin this shit. Uh, I mean, which is what you're supposed to do in this situation, obviously, because they don't want to make the companies out to be the bad guy, which they obviously are. Um, but uh, I'm trying to look for some that are like choice quotes of things that are just like clearly bullshit that are just sort of like. I don't know, played off in a way that they're supposed to be um, actual reasons. Well, I mean, it's a lot of talk about our shared mission is to bring diverse content to a global audience. Is that it? That's the one. Yeah. The more we spoke, the more the relationship evolved to the point that we knew our combined experience and resources would align to achieve that goal and advance our unique position in the marketplace. So So it's like good luck getting that right mm-hmm. without yeah. the people who are the stakeholders right right exactly you yeah, know and it's true you can you can talk about pandering all you want mm-hmm. but the real pandering is continuing to, to like carry that behind you yeah. and or like in front of you I right. guess and right. without the staff mm-hmm. and the people who actually understand right. the experience to back yeah. it up yeah you know it's mm-hmm. it's like it's a lot of empty talk well you know they don't see color right Right, of course. Race doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just the fact that they included the word marketplace in that statement, too, is like at the end of the day. Well, you know, hey, come on. You it, know what it's it's about. still diversity if what you really mean is the marketplace of ideas. Oh, I see. Okay. Do you care to debate me in the marketplace of ideas? <laughs> no. <laughs> debate me, you coward. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm mad about that. Check out our social media. We're um, posting Venmos and PayPals. Mm-hmm. And if you see one that we haven't posted um, or want us to boost somebody who has been affected by the layoffs. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, just uh, hybrid Pub Scout on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. And we'll we'll get you. Yeah. Well, and as someone who has been laid off from a publisher myself a few years ago, it is uh, a really weird, like, obviously sad feeling, but it's also just, like, very, an, like, an isolating kind of experience, and it's just such a blow to your ego and, like, your life um, that I'm just, yeah, I mean, like, these people are obviously incredibly talented, and I'm sure, like, they'll find their way, they'll find something else, like, this all, that pans out in the end, but it doesn't excuse the way that this has kind of come about, and it doesn't excuse the fact that, you know, these places' mission statements you know, we're kind of, I don't know, forged by, no, no pun intended, um, uh, forged by lions. Yeah. By these, <laughs> yeah. By, you know, the people that the, exactly the people that they let go, you know? So yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's just supremely fucked up. That's yeah. All I can say. So it's like your entire brand revolves around this thing that mm-hmm. you completely like yeah. threw in the toilet. Yeah. Just to make more money at the end of the day. That's what this is about. Yeah. And so. it's like, if you're going to make more money, mm-hmm. Maybe um, you can afford to pay the yeah. people that you employ. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the ones who are clearly, like, contributing the most to your supposed mission statement. Well, and also the whole idea of redundancy. Firing an editor that has, like, 
a collection of projects they've been working on, Mm -hmm. that's not something that you can just replace. I mean, we were talking about how those projects get Mm -hmm. lost in the shuffle because the editor's gone. Right. That's not the same. That's not redundant. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like like palpably not redundant. And I'm not excusing Mm -hmm. getting rid of people for that reason. Yeah. I'm just saying it's not like you can't even use it as an excuse in this situation. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. we'll we'll boost you if uh, and if you happen to be a uh, job creator, yeah, then uh, check out our social media and the people we're boosting and uh, help a sibling out. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Inclusive. <laughs> That's right. All right, what grinds your gears oh, today, boy, Corinne? I'm so glad you asked. Okay, <laughs> so this is uh, something I do know a little bit about. Is uh, this happened? Was it last week? I think, and this was kind of a bombshell. But I feel like there had been like murmurings about it for a while, so yeah. it wasn't a huge bombshell. But um, Baker and Taylor has decided to close down its retail wholesale business in order to better align itself with the education focus of its parent company, Follett. Um, so obviously, uh, every independent bookstore in existence was very upset by this news. Why? What is what does that leave for the independent bookstore distributors? Well, uh, it's a company called Ingram. Uh, <gasps> yeah, and they are one company. That's it to rule them all. Exactly. <laughs> they are. I don't know. I feel like with some time they might turn into the Amazon. Yeah. You know, because that's how I feel about it. Yeah. That's kind of where we are. It's like turning into a monopoly at this point. Um, Well, and they give us terrible discounts. Yeah. And And their customer service is non-existent. And if you are on Twitter, you have seen me (laughs) not necessarily spar with Uh Ingram on Twitter, but um, complain. And then they replied to me. And if I were to complain again, they would probably reply to me again. Yeah. And the only reason that I'm not being a huge pain (laughs) in the ass is because (laughs) because my Ingram (laughs) emailed me last time I tweeted (laughs) she was like I really hope that uh if you have a problem you feel like you can talk to me about it and I was like "Mm, I did (laughs) I tried (laughs) it's like it's like when you call and you just get a robot. You yeah. just can't get a person you on the phone get a anymore. On the phone. There's no personal touch to the business. <laughs> um, so yeah, Mr. CEO said uh, of, the, of uh, Baker and Taylor. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, Is he, his name Mr. CEO. <laughs> yes, Mr. Mr. Big Britches CEO. <laughs> said the decision was made to better enable BNT to work with Follett to develop programs that can make a big difference in the communities they serve. Um, and I mean, I guess what is, what is that big difference? Well, I guess it's just more so they can serve the school libraries. Well, libraries in general, but also school libraries. So their better. attention isn't divided yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Okay. Right. So it's like a singular focus, which I buy a little bit, but not entirely. Um, and of course, again, the shittiest part of this is that 500 people are going to lose their jobs. 500. Um, which is a lot. So um, they're still going to keep, uh, BNT is still going to be in the like distribution business. So they're not getting rid of that. Um, but yeah, they're getting rid of, I think it's two warehouses um, that'll be closed no later than the end of the year. Um, so that really, obviously really sucks too. And then I don't know how many people are losing their jobs from like corporate 
as opposed to the warehouses. The warehouses. Yeah. So I don't know what that. I don't think there's been any information anywhere about. And they what that probably won't like. give us any. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. That's like that's private information. Yeah. And there's the, not going to be like a Washington Post article yeah. about Baker and Taylor. No, I don't think there is because nobody cares about this shit except us. Well, people <laughs> in the book trade, as it were. Um, let's see. So, and I mean, like Ingram, I feel like has kind of raced to reassure independent bookstores that like we're gonna take care of you yeah talk about that oh um, that came out today oh okay yeah I don't think that's in this article oh it's in this one sorry Mm -hmm. different we have lots of articles here folks I I do want to say while she is getting the other article out um whenever I do call Ingram to order books or inquire about book prices the customer service reps are delightful that's nice yeah good okay they do a great job they will if yep. they get fired, ugh. Yeah. Send us your Venmos. Send us Ingram your oh my reps. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um okay, so anyway, when yeah, BNT decided or made this announcement that they'd be st- uh, exiting the book retail wholesale business, Ingram announced an array of initiatives to support the Indies. Uh I do kind of love the statement from the I guess okay, he's the chief commercial officer. I don't even know what the fuck that means. CCO, I don't know what that is, whatever, some big honcho at Ingram. Uh, He said, we know change is hard. We want to. I know, right? Like, what the fuck? Okay. We want to help the indies through this challenge. Uh, And that was pretty much all he said. So they have, it's true. That's a great commercial. (laughs) Um, Anyway, but yeah, they, so they, you know, talked up uh, a bunch of initiatives and stuff that they're going to try to put into place to sort of take care of the giant hole that BNT is leaving, um, you know, in their absence. So I don't, do you want me to go through all of these? Just uh, tell, just pick your favorites. Pick my favorites. All right. Uh, Let's see. Um, uh, Okay. Moving low volume tier stores to standard terms effective June 1st to proactively help stores qualify for improved terms. I wish they would kind of explain like what they consider a low volume tier store and what the standard terms of their contract are, you know, a little bit better. Cause I have no idea. Well, so. do you think that, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what is that? I don't, I don't know. know. Oh, oh, what I was going to say is, do you think that they sent like more detailed things to the actual I fucking stores? Hope so yeah. Well, did we get any? Uh, I don't think so. I haven't seen anything. Yeah. So I don't, I have no idea. Um, oh, fast tracking new accounts. If they were only working with BNT, um, which I get, I mean, I guess, I guess that's nice, but like, it's not like these stores have another option. Like what the fuck else are they going to do? I don't know. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. They literally have no other option. Yeah. I guess they can directly source from the publisher. Yeah. That's but true. But then the publisher mm-hmm. has to get books yeah. too. Right. I mean, and they can, if they have their own warehouse, yeah. sure. Yeah. They can use their own terms. Right. Right. But a lot of publishers don't have mm-hmm. their own warehouse. That's totally A lot of publishers true. do use Ingram right. as their warehousing. Right. Yeah. So that sucks for them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. I don't know. Something about uh, an app to help booksellers get faster oh, information about God. what's in stock. Um, so yeah, like I, you know, really want to, I don't know, trumpet technology. Download uh, an app onto your personal phone yeah, yeah. for your job. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, but yeah, th- I would say those are the ones that kind of like uh, jump out at me quickly. We built an app. Yeah, we built, we built an app to make this 
difficult time easier for you. <laughs> hey, Ray, there's an app for that. <laughs> for my job yeah. and livelihood. So, I mean, I feel like I noticed an outpouring of sadness from people involved uh, in any aspect of sort of indie books, the indie bookstore kind of family, um, understandably. So that was just really shitty. And as someone who shops pretty much exclusively at indie bookstores, I like I really feel for them. Yeah, so it sucks. We should probably talk to some indie bookstore people about we it and should. see what they think. Yeah. If you are an indie bookstore person, please email us. We would love to talk to you. I mean, yeah. about everything, but especially about how this B&T stuff is going to affect your life at work. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, you got anything else? Uh, do you want to talk about like something good after all this? Uh, yeah. Dismal give sadness? us a ray of sunshine, Corinne. Okay. Um, let's see. What's uh, what's that? Now that I said that, of course, I can't think about <laughs> think of anything to talk about. Um, what's happy? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, it's almost the weekend, so that's good. <laughs> Although I realize that when this Wednesday. airs, it's gonna be Wednesday. Um, I'm going on vacation. Soon. Hell yeah! Tell yeah. them where you're going. We're going on a road trip. Yeah. What are you going to see on your road trip? We're going to go to... feel like I'm talking to you like a five-year-old. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to see on your road trip, sweetie? <laughs> We're going to go to um, drive out across the northwest of Idaho Ooh, and Montana. Beautiful. And arrive in Yellowstone National Park. Mm. And we bought tickets. Uh-huh to Yellowstone Bear World, oh, and so we're cool. going to hold baby bears. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. 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 We're yeah, going to do that, that, go on some hikes, mm -hmm. but the the high point is the bears. Yeah. Oh, the other high point, uh -huh. and I figured this, we're spending one night in Bozeman, Montana. Okay. Yep. They have a whole section of their museum. Mm -hmm. It's the muse Museum of the Rockies, is, I, is what it's called. Okay. Museum of the Rockies. Uh-huh. Whole wing of the museum is dinosaur bones. Oh, whoa. And they have a T-Rex. Oh, my God. And I want to awesome. see that T-Rex skeleton yeah. real hard. Wow. So I was like, what time? Because I'm trying to plan out everything yeah. we do. Of course. Because um, it's a road trip. And yep. I'm like, we need to be able to fit these things mm -hmm. in and not just yeah. be driving the whole time. Right. So I was like, museum opens at 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. We will be at the museum at 8 a.m. <laughs> And then, so we can make it to Old Faithful Woo. by 3 p.m. Uh-huh. Yep. Fun to travel with me. Yes, it sounds <laughs> that way. I've never really been like that. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I'm but on the other hand, when I don't, uh -huh. I usually end up just kind of like lying around somewhere yeah, and sure. drinking beer. Right, right. So yeah. I could do that at home. That's true. You <laughs> so could. I'm like, yeah. I really need to come up with some better plans. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're on your way. So. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you have some exciting things going on at your home. Oh, yes, at my <laughs> home. We're having... So my boyfriend is very involved in the uh, local music community. So we're having a local band shoot a video in our basement tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. So uh, it should be fun. The only thing I'm worried about being a Virgo and a clean person is that um, it's going to be like torn apart. And all there's those gonna punks be shit are going to destroy all... your house. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's going to be like shit all over the basement and like empty beer cans and God only knows what else. And some people who are like, we live here now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the worst part of it. Um, but anyway, but I really like the band. So I think like that part will be fun. It's more just like the worrying about like, are these people going to fuck my house up? But <laughs> aren't they, aren't they kind of like Americana? They well? are. So yeah, it's not yeah. really, but most of the people in the band have played in punk bands. Oh. So they still attract that element, if you will. The punk element. The punk element. <laughs> um, so that's, anyway. That's uh, my first sci-fi movie. Is it? <laughs> the punk element. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it'll be, I'm sure it'll be fun. I always like worry about stuff going wrong and I'm like, who's going to break my vase or whatever. And then <laughs> it's fine and it's really fun. And I just need to like stop being such a worry wart. But I, as I said, Virgos, this is what we do. Is someone so. bringing pizza? I don't know. I don't think so. Just tell someone to bring pizza. I should tell someone. And then well, you'll I feel can, better. I can tell you that uh, PBR is like sponsoring the video or something. So what? there's gonna, Yeah. So there's going to be like free PBR, which I do not drink because that's disgusting. Just have one. I'm not. You got to have one. I'm not drinking oh, it. I don't like it. Fine. But anyway, I'll buy my own beer for myself. You should see but... her when someone puts a Rainier can in front of her. <laughs> too good for Rainier. I really you're you know a what? classist I paid my dues with the beer <laughs> shit you don't know what kind of piss I drank in my 20s at frat parties give me a break anyway. oh that's right <laughs> I put my time in so Natty Light no uh, I don't think I ever drank I drank oh maybe what no it was like Rainier Ice or something which was like oh. probably like even a low rent like Rainier yeah so I don't know but anyway or Keystone that's what it was oh god yeah see that's what I'm talking that's, about you're giving me PTSD yeah right so I it's sorry fine. I didn't mean to trivial no no PTSD. no you are welcome to this fine. <laughs> um so anyway but no I think it'll it'll be fun I'm sure it'll be like a good time so, and it's supposed to be super hot here tomorrow also. So there'll be a bunch of sweaty, drunk people in my basement. Mm, so, that's going to smell amazing. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to go learn how to Swedish dance. Maybe. So I, you, no, I am. That's why I'm not oh, coming to your doing. party or that's to your right. video right. shoot. Because right. I, I promised I'd go Swedish dance. What What does that entail? Like, what does that look like? Oh, it's like our friend is, uh, oh, Amy, who uh, does our theme song, her band is playing in uh, Northeast Portland or North Portland. I'm not sure which. Yeah. And um, before they play, because she plays the nickel harpa, which is Uh, a Swedish folk instrument. And that's in our theme song. Yes. And so beforehand, there's going to be a woman who gives a little clinic on Mm -hmm. Swedish folk dancing. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Huh. Is it like, uh, have you seen it before? Is it like Irish? I think it's kind of Greek. I don't oh. know. I have no idea. Huh. I know JT did it a couple times. Oh, okay. But okay. Um, I've never done it. Yeah. But yeah, it's like lots of kind of circles. And oh, okay. Like, okay. I don't know. Steps. Dosey dough. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'll report back. All right. Yeah. Tell me. <laughs> tell me all about it. Anyway. Um, Thanks for listening to our banter. Thanks yeah. for listening to our interview with Erin. Yes. Um, she is, uh, she's an inspiration. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Just, I, I love all these people doing indie things. At yeah. some point, we're all going to be able to pay each other and treat each other well. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's my greatest hope mm-hmm. is we're all going to be able to just like tell all these big companies to like go fuck themselves. Yeah. 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 Yep. And do our own thing. That's right. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. And you can tell Amazon to go fuck itself if you cancel your Prime subscription. Just an FYI there. Yeah. So, I mean, still yeah. not using Audible. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. I, know. 
I, anyway, I only meet, eat meat a couple times a week now. <laughs> That's great. You know, yeah. the, you don't have to, even if you like, you don't have to be an all or nothing person. No, you totally Like if you don't think true. you can handle it, just don't do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You'll it, work your way towards it. You know, there'll be people who are like, oh, God, that's not enough. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it's like, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, we're all just tiny specks in space. That's very true. Yeah. Infinitesimal. <laughs> 18. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, find us on uh, Hybrid Pub Scout on Twitter, um, Hybrid Pub Scout on Facebook. Facebook. You want to? Oh, sure. Uh, HybridPubScout.com. You can subscribe to our newsletter there. Please. Which is lovingly assembled by Emily every week. I every two weeks. I love it. Every yep. two weeks. Every two weeks. Sorry. <laughs> not, you know, like, giving her more work than she can deal with. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, please go give us a five star rating on oh, yes. iTunes. Like, please really, it'd be really nice. Of it you. would be. We would make our make our day. Yeah, slash it, week slash it, month. And it would help other people who are like minded yeah, uh, find to us, discover us. Yeah, and then we can all have a lot of fun together, mm-hmm. and it'll be great. Yeah. Ooh, well, we do come up in a uh, iTunes search now. Oh, good. I, okay. When I put in hybrid pub. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, We're I know, on our way. <laughs> right, hold on. Yeah, we still just have eight ratings. So let's let's make it an even 10 yeah, by next time. How about that? All mm-hmm. we need are two people. Yes. You don't even, we'd love for you to re- leave a review, but you don't even have to do that. You can yeah. just go and like hit the little stars with your thumb you can that's all it takes all we need is two of you to do it yeah and then we'll true. make our very high goal yes of 10 <laughs> people you don't even really need to comment on the content of the podcast you can just say corinne is hilarious or emily is delightful or, or both or both or neither or, yeah or well, well just the stars yeah just the stars that's all you need yeah, yeah. yeah. either way we're trying to make it easy for you <laughs> Anyway, um, thank you for listening, and thanks for giving a rip about books. <laughs>